Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Voice of Reason. My name is Andy Van Beber, and I'm joined right across the way there with Travis Kirkendall. You know, and we also, I, 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 I got to put it into, I got to put it into play. Uh, if I said, and Travis Kirkendall. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Be kind. Be so kind. I, I got, I, yes, I did. Get we got a, sound effects now. We, we got a sound effects board now. I'm, I went we were out. already tossing ideas to each other, like other sound effects we want. It's going to be great. We <laughs> might get canceled. Yeah. But, we're going to uh, have some fun with it. And we, I guess we can say we are officially on Baby Watch. Sean, the Sean Phillips Baby Watch is on. We got uh, verification. What time? What time was that? I don't. Uh, let's see. What time? It was, was only that? like an hour ago, I think. Right? Uh, or hour let's see, it was four fifty-three p.m. Central Standard Time. Oh so, God, I'm way off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we have been. I'm uh, We we've been on. We we're on Baby Watch, and as soon if we see anything, we will definitely share as soon as we hear anything. But we are, fingers crossed, Baby Watch. You know. You know, I uh, I should have said, "Hey, Sean, why don't you why don't you do a Zoom <laughs> in the delivery room?" Ah! No, but uh, no. Hey, man, how was uh, you had you were telling me you had a long day today, Mister Kirkendall? Yeah. Been up since two thirty a.m. That's why the earlier start time. So don't adjust your you know don't look at your clocks. But uh, I see, he said, "Hey, man, can we do an hour earlier?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man." So what were you up at two thirty? Yeah, it does morning? help. Uh, my wife is going to Venezuela to see her family, and her flight was early this morning, and so I got out there early, and um, yeah, and then I went to go work after that, so it's been a, a fun day, and so you, were you, still hit the gym afterwards, and it all worked out. And you were sleepy on the tower, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it's a rooftop, so yes. Oh, okay, then it's all right. That's okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I... There wasn't wasn't much work to do today, so it's pretty, I pretty was... easy. I, bro- I broke my uh, I broke my sleeping in habit this morning, and I uh, had to make a run, uh, made an Uber run to St. Louis this morning, and uh, that was, uh, you know, I'm not used to. I, usually, I get up at five o'clock in the morning for school and everything, and I and I got up and I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm when you said you said, hey, can we do earlier? And I was like, yes, yes, we can. So it's bed is a good time. Are you a coffee drinker? Uh, no, I, you know, I used to be, I used to be a coffee drinker when I was, when I first started teaching and then I got, um, oh, what's the word? I started having more panic attacks and stuff like that. And when I went to the doctor, he's like, so are you a coffee drinker? And I was like, well, since I started teaching, yes, I am. He's like, stop drinking coffee. And I stopped drinking, I stopped drinking coffee and, uh, I am now... (laughs) Now I don't have some to... people are really caffeine sensitive. So. Well, you know, and I don't think that I'm. It's not like I'm, you know, totally. I don't know. I, I can drink Diet Mountain Dew and it not be a problem. But at the same time, I'm like, if I get into, if I if I if I drink too much Mountain Diet Mountain Dew, I can be, you know, so. I don't know. You should definitely never try cocaine. Is what it sounds like. <laughs> Methamphetamines, you know, anything, anything like that. So, but uh, no, but uh, no. This we we uh, last week, I, and I can say, I can say this with absolute confidence, and I'm happy about this. Not to be too braggadocious, but last week I finished my summer to do list of everything 
that I had set out to do. Um, the last thing was to power wash the house. And I can tell you this, that I was only, you know, on a ladder 10 feet off the ground. But I still, I was like, I was hugging. I, I mean, my, my legs were literally having intercourse with a ladder. Okay. So, I mean, it was just like. Oh God! Why don't, you, why don't you just why don't you just stop and press that button for yourself and just give you, give yourself a round of applause? Whoa, wait, wait, wait! Oh, throw okay. it in there! Throw it in there! Uh, here, here we go! I'll even. Yeah, there, there you go. go. This guy, this guy. <laughs> no, Look but, at him. But uh, <laughs> no, again, I don't know, I don't know how you do it. So, it, but I'm, but uh, no, I was happy to get my, you know, all my stuff done that I was. That I was that I was that I was aiming to do so, but uh, anyway, deal. We want to thank uh, again Alex El Al Alex Ellison last week for being on with us. Uh, he is uh, always a great guest to have, and uh, we had we had him on last week, and a lot of a lot of feedback. I'm not going to go into my my rant about I, I broke the cardinal rule of internet podcasting when I read. The comments this week on our TikToks and, you know, you know, just it's great being called a racist and all this other stuff. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. But anyway, uh, this week we're going on with part two of this and we are talking about uh, this. Like I said, two weeks ago was a was a earth shattering week for the conservative Supreme Court in the things that they passed, and um, we're going to try to see how much we can get through this tonight. We may get through all of it. We may not get through one of them tonight, but, uh, you know, another decision that we, and I think this is going to hit close to probably more Travis than me, but my wife is part of, is part of the union too, um, but this was the uh, decision. It was Glacier Northwest versus International Brotherhood of Teamsters uh, Local 174, and this this went on, uh, just to give you the background of this case, and this happened out, and I believe it was Seattle is where this case originated. Yeah, it was out in Washington. It was in Washington State, 2017 labor dispute. And Glacier Northwest, which is a Seattle concrete manufacturer, uh, they when they when negotiators were, you know, they, they were trying to reach it, and they could not get to a new deal. And so what ended up happening was, the employees walked off the job while their trucks were filled with mixed concrete, and which is a you know it, mixed concrete is a perishable substance which can quickly becomes unusable, unusual, unusable, and so and so what ended up happening was you know Glacier Glacier would Glacier sued the union and state court. Uh, which, you know, they said the strike was timed deliberately to destroy its property, the concrete, and the trucks. And initially, the lawsuit, I believe, was dismissed in the state court saying, hey, you know, the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, this is their, this is their domain, this is their baby, let them deal with it. And then, um, so, basically, this was, this the the Supreme Court actually, from what I understood, the the Supreme Court in October of twenty October of last year, they actually took up Glacier's appeal. So Glacier said, "Okay, we're not going to wait for the because the National Labor Relations Board's not going to do anything," and so they appealed what which is called by a writ of certiorari, 
which is where they appeal. They basically send a brief to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court agreed to look at the appeal. And basically the question was for the court, okay, how is this case going to proceed? Okay, and so, and actually the person who wrote the majority decision for this was uh, Amy uh, Coney Barrett, who this one of Trump, and is actually one of Trump's appointees, said the lower court was wrong in dismissing the suit and that the glacier workers' actions were not protected. She goes on by saying, by reporting for duty and pretending as if they were going to deliver the concrete, the drivers prompted the creation of the perishable product. Then they waited to walk off the job until the concrete was mixed and poured in the trucks. In doing so, they not only destroyed the concrete, but also put glaciers' trucks in harm's way. And so you had four of the justices who, who this, so this was a, uh, so this was a five, was this a five, three? Or f yeah. Five, I believe it was, was it five, three? I didn't. I, it said four others. So I'm assuming it, somebody must have not voted. Then. Oh, no, I'll take that back. It was a, where was it? I'm trying to find it, it too. Was, actually, it was an eight, one. It was an eight, one. Oh, so it was an overwhelming decision. Okay. The only person who, the only person who uh, was Kentanje uh, Jackson, who, again, this was one of uh, Biden's picks, uh, said the decision would erode the right to strike and undermine the National Labor Relations Board oversight of workplace laws. She said workers are not indentured servants bound to continue laboring until any planned uh, work stoppage would be as painless as possible for their master, their employees, whose collective and peaceful decision to withhold their labor is protected by the National Labor Relations Act of 1935, even if economic injuries result. So, with that being said, um, what what do you what? And I'm, I'll go to you first, Travis, as you are a union member, and and my wife is. But I want to hear it from you first. What's your initial What's your initial thoughts on this decision as a union member? What's your initial thoughts on this decision? Oh. I, I want to add to not just union member. I grew up in a union yeah, household, right, so it's right, right. So um, it's my take on this could be biased. I'm mm -hmm. just throwing it out there, mm -hmm. but I think it's pretty middle ground here. So I'm looking at this, and now that I've actually know like what happened with this case and know more about the lawsuit, the company, in my opinion, is in the right here, and for the sole reason of what they sued for. Mm -hmm. Of course, workers have the right to on strike they have that right to um protest so to speak and have that fight with their employer and whoever pays them we're allowed to do that here and i am for that 100 if you can't get your agreements if you can't get what you want from your union or whatever the contract is by all means go on strike uh, i've seen it i think twice growing up where my dad would go to meetings and they were always talking about going to strike because it was there's always issues with the agreements so like they wanted to change um, I don't know, like if they would change pension, it would affect the insurance. Like, there's always a give and take, I've noticed. And even with our own union, like, when it comes to when they make changes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I understand. I don't know the specifics of what the what they were striking for exactly. And I didn't pick that up in any of the articles. What they're, it was something to do with their union agreement, to my knowledge. Right. I'm Where these guys screwed up is the way they did it. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. And now I don't know. I've never been involved in a union strike, so I don't know if union reps tell you guys when to do it. I don't know if there's like a planned time when everyone goes on strike and does it. Um, but if it was planned, 
which they're saying in lawsuit it was, during that time, I mean, yeah, I mean, they that wasn't the proper way to do it. You got trucks full of concrete. You damaged trucks and property. That's not there's – there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Right. And no matter how upset they would have been, that was undoubtedly the wrong way to do it. And it puts a – it, it kind of makes me mad because it does put a bad name to unions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's a bad look for the union in my opinion, 100%. And um, – which is unfortunate because it, you know, we're we're seeing a decline in union members and union skilled workers, which is really unfortunate. I think it's the union is a, for the most part, a really good thing. Yes, I can only speak from my experience in the telecommunications industry. And if you're not union, you're making pennies, and that's yeah. not an exaggeration. You're making pennies. Your benefits are trash. You're working in unsafe work conditions. You're working under sketchy employers. Sometimes you don't even get paid. There's a lot of shady stuff that goes on in telecommunications. It's it's a very sad industry when it comes to that. How long has your industry been unionized with tower climbers? Uh, So my company, before they were MZI, they were a company called Wigdahl. And they were, I want to say they went 130. I don't know. The guys I work with started there like six or seven years ago. I want to say they've been part of 134 anywhere from eight to ten years. Um, but this is kind of a relatively new thing. There aren't so there is. They just now started a tower climber union. Um, so it is something guys. That, it's something that's relatively new then. Tower climber union. Yes, mm-hmm. I fall under. I'm a, in a special division of the electricians union. We have our own contract under local 134, which isn't a tower climbers union. It's a tower climber agreement in the electricians union. So it's a little bit different, but we are paying dues member union members. We pay our dues and get all the whatever the agreement gives us. Um, but for the most part, to give you some sort of perspective, I can count less than. Ten hands, less than both hands. Oh my god, ten hands, less than both my hands. So like, yeah, right. Been a long day, folks. Yeah, I've been so up since two thirty. Right. You're good. You're good. Seven, maybe companies, six companies, and all of Chicago, all of Chicago, land that are union for what I do. That's a large, large market, mm-hmm. and that's that's a very low number for a large market, and. I don't know any companies in Missouri that have telecommunications. Most of your telecommunications union companies are in your big markets like Chicago, New York. There's a couple in California I know about, but we're talking ones and twos of companies compared to an industry that's conglomerate. Um, so, yeah, they're trying to start a tower climber union. But my point with all that is being like, I've seen what the industry looks on an industry looks like of skilled workers when they don't have a union to represent them and to paint a little perspective. You you've seen videos of what I do and the stuff we do in our job. And some guys, they do some insane stuff with this line of work. I mean, there's, there's other avenues in tower climbing versus what I just do. Right. And I can tell you foreman, which is like your lead guy, a union electrician in Chicago, a journeyman and local 134, I believe, tops out at $56 an hour. A non union tower climber foreman in charge of a whole crew working at heights, working with slings and ropes. And it's it's a risky job. You're in a harness, right? Right. right. Uh, the average top out rate for a foreman, you're looking at mid 30s, $35 an hour. And that's with very subpar health insurance, 
that's with a BS 401k with a two, 3% match, which is pretty outdated considering most other employers so now. We, we if can, you're lucky, if your company even offers that. We, and we can agree. We can agree that what, and I'm, I'm with you, what, the, what these guys did at this concrete plant was wrong. 100%. But here's where, here's where, uh, you know, Katanjay Jackson, you know, and I can see where she's going with this. And this is where I think people who belong to union should be concerned. When you, and I, I looked up some stats. Um, so last year, to 2022, uh, against, with our inflation going up, the market and everything, Strike activity actually spiked by about 50% last year, okay? Um, according to the Labor Action Tracker by Cornell School of Industrial Labor Relations, said about 224,000 total people walked off the job in 424 strikes, up from 279 strikes in 2021. Most of them were demanding better pay and health care. Along with that, fast food workers with the Fight for 15 command uh, campaign uh, Star, Starbucks baristas organized over a hundred strikes. Um, and you know, education, yeah, you're work. definitely seeing more, more industries are trying right. to form. And about it's 60, not just your trades. And then in education, about 60% of the workers striking in 20, this was, this is what really stood out to me. 60% of the workers striking in 2022 were educators. Okay. And again, uh, because you know, and I, but this is so this is where I'm I'm this is what I am and we've we've looked at this before. We've looked at this before when we said, okay, when the court makes a decision on something, one of the things that we always have to look out for is the slippery slope. Okay. So rewind. Okay, so the the what was mentioned in the decision was the National Labor Relations Act of nineteen thirty five. Okay. Um, and you can actually go back to even, um, I forgot the name, the Wagner Act, which was passed in the 20s by Woodrow Wilson, was actually the forerunner to the National Labor Relations Act, which unions called the Magna Carta of the union movement. Because at the time, what, and here's what, union, here's what workplaces used to do. If I go back to the late 1800s, early 1900s, they had what was called the, um, oh, I can't think of the, it was basically, it was the, oh, the Sherman Antitrust Act. So the Sherman Antitrust mm. Act was originally designed to put a, and it was designed in the 1800s to put a limit on anything that limited, it, it put limits on anything that restricted uh, commerce, trade, okay, which was like monopolies and trust and all these big corporations and everything. Well, then starting in the 1900s, when these, when these early unions started to go on strike, what the, what, the, what the corporations would do is they would take these unions to court, and under the Sherman Antitrust Act, they were, strikes were deemed to be illegal because it was putting a limit on trade. And so then starting with the Wagner Act under Woodrow, I believe it was Woodrow Wilson, and then you had, and then moving forward, then you had, and then Franklin Roosevelt under the New Deal basically set up the National, Relab National Labor Relations Act and then the National Labor Relations Board. And this was basically going to say, you are going to collective, you are going collective bargaining where the workers get together basically as a union is not, these guys have the right to 
a good a great day's wage, safe working conditions, you know, and and benefits. And it's because mm-hmm. of that that you have stuff like in like your unions, like you have a prevailing wage. You know, you guys. And have... Let me add to work life balance. Yes. And what I mean by that, and better hours, I, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, my union typically you work an eight-hour day. If I work over eight hours a day, after eight hours, it's overtime. It's not overtime after forty. It's at that day, and I think that's the way it should be. Because again, talking about telecommunications. Your non-union companies are putting in 12-hour, 12, 14-hour days, Monday through Friday, sometimes longer. It's not unheard of for guys to work 70, 80-hour weeks. And for what? Just to, You're working all that just to make what you could make in a 40-hour week, getting paid what you should be getting paid. Mm-hmm. It's time away from your family. And look, I'm all for like a, a hard day's work and right. doing right. your job. I'm all for that. Right. But there's a balance. People have families. You know what I mean? You shouldn't have to put those kind of hours in to make a decent living wage. You know, and there were there there have been other so uh, and I'll mention this for my wife. My wife belongs to AFSME, which is the American Federation of State Community uh, State County and Municipal Employees, AFS CME. And she belongs to that. And there was a decision that was uh, filed it was, I don't know if it was, I don't think it made it to the Supreme Court, but it was in a district court that basically said AFSCME workers could not, basically, and they couldn't do a, what's called a closed shop, okay? And for those of you who don't know what the term closed shop means, basically is when you get into a certain industry, you have to, you know, part of your, part of your wages would go to the union, and you're automatically in the union. My wife gets stuff in the mail all the time from these special interest groups saying, hey, you don't have to pay your union dues. You you know, that could be more money in your pocket, you know. And people like that, that that angers me. You know, we are able to, you know, part of the reason why I'm able to get the old uh, soundboard here, you know. Wait a minute. <laughs> I, had to, I had to do that. The reason why I'm able to do, you know, gets to, my wife, my wife makes a, a good check. You know, and it's because she's rewarded with the fact that she has 25 years of experience. She has the education. She has the training. She's rewarded, you know, and we have, I don't have the school's insurance. That's a joke. You know, the state insurance, the state, I mean, our, our, our school health insurance. And I mean, and it's not, not because our school's cheap or something. It's just the fact that health insurance is so expensive and the union is ridiculous and the union has fought for my wife to have good medical insurance and to get X amount of sick days and to get X amount of vacation days a month. And to, like you said, time with family, you know, we're going on vacation next week. Oh, by the way, before I forget, no podcast next week, I'm on vacation, but point aside, you know, we, we look at, we look at saying, okay, if you didn't have a union to protect us, you know, think about what we couldn't have had without labor unions. You, I mean, you, oh, can, you, still, you still have 10 year old kids working in factories. You want to get into a, a class. You want to read a classic book that'll turn your stomach. Read Upton Sinclair's The there Jungle. Read The Jungle. It is a, it is a terrible look at the Chicago meatpacking industry at the turn of the century. And it, Upton Sinclair actually, it was based upon interviews that he did with meat, you know, meat workers and, and you know, and these families, these immigrant families. You know, 
making 10, 15 cents a day, cut and, cor and corporations cutting corners and stuff like that. You know, you wouldn't have a minimum wage if it wasn't for labor. Union. And so my whole point in saying this is what, what kind of, and, and I'll, I'll answer this and I'll, and then I'll toss it to you, Travis. When you look at what this case could lead to, this was this this decision was absolutely necessary. The court made the right decision. It was, I mean, you very and with today's court to get an eight to one decision, that that says, hey, both the liberals and the conservatives and the moderates, all three of them, got together and they said, hey, what these guys did was wrong. But you've set a precedence now, and that precedent that precedence is saying. If 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 the if the employer can prove in some way, shape, or form that they caused financial damage to that corporation by that union going on strike, then therefore they could they could take action against that union. I mean, am I seeing that wrong, or do you? How do you see this? That, no, that's kind of what I'm seeing. I think there needs to be. I think the reason it's a slippery slope is because there needs to be way more specific guidelines on when a company can sue. Like we need to be more specific on what that means of like, like if it was the law to just, Hey, the workers weren't there. So you lost like jobs, like, well, that doesn't really make sense because they shouldn't, if this workers just didn't show up for today, then the company doesn't bill so, for that day of work. Right. So they shouldn't have spend money. So, but at the same time, they're not making money by having a product out there in the line, you know, Right. So just to, I, I think, okay, so that's where I'm going with this then. So I don't think a company can sue just because like they're not making money because their workers aren't working. I think that's what's striking. That's part of the striking agreement. However, this specific incident, if there's a, a damage, not just because company lost profits because the workers weren't there, but because something happened on the site, like concrete getting left in the trucks or like some type of damage, like actual damage. That's that's I think that that's where they got to find that line, and there needs to be very specific writings to that to protect both parties. Mm -hmm. I, I think there needs to be more specific details in that agreement, whatever they work out there. Well, and so and the the other argument was this: this shouldn't by by the by some of your Democrats who are up on Capitol Hill who said this ca this case shouldn't have seen the light of day in the Supreme Court that the National Labor Relations Board dropped the ball, totally dropped the ball. This was something, remember, that happened back in 2017. And the this is before, this is pre-COVID. So this was something that the National Labor Relations Board dropped the ball on. And they, sh they should have made, they should have made the decision right then and there. Hey, what you guys, you know, I mean, find the, you know, part of the Na National Labor Relations Board is to say, Hey, striking workers. Okay, yeah, you have, the, like you said before, you have the right, there's a wrong way, there's a right way and a wrong way of doing this. You guys took the wrong way, and, you know, maybe the union should have said, union should have been fined the cost of the the concrete for that day or the cost of the, tr you know, damage to the truck, and that should have been fined to the union. Done and done. And, I mean, I, I think. But now, but now you get the Supreme Court involved now you have set now you set a you set a precedent you set a legal precedent that and the way that i think that some 
lawyers can be, and apologies to all of our listeners who are lawyers. We, I know we have some. I'm, I'm sorry, counselor. I know you're, you're watching tonight, but you know you have some of these lawyers who can, who can twi- twist and bend and manipulate, you know, judicial precedent, legal precedent, and say, okay, well here and you know, and they can go back to this, you know, this the glacier case and say, oh, well here, you know, this caught. So, I mean, they can find some, that's the thing that I'm saying. And I, and I get what you were saying. I get what you were saying there too. To just that just because you're not making any product doesn't count as financial damage. But I can, I can also see the flip side of that and saying, okay, you can, I mean, in some way, shape or form, you can say, well, it's damage to our livelihood or it's damage to the corporation. It caught, what happened if, you know, what happened if a strike had went on for, you know, six months okay and that yeah and you have and it's not not by any fault of the union but you have a you have poor management you have poor financial if you have a company that has poor financial management or poor leadership at the top and that that company goes belly up okay can that company then turn around and say okay because of the union going on strike it caused us to go belly up i'm that's the kind of situation that i'm afraid of that's that's but, what that's what I'm afraid of seeing. But something to take into account too with that. So the company's not making money because their workers aren't working. Those workers aren't getting paid either. True. So they're feeling the, they're feeling the pains of their strike as well. Mm-hmm. And that just goes back into the agreement and what the unions decide. It, it it affects both parties, and that's why, unfortunately, sometimes these contracts they get dragged out, and both parties are just. Yeah. It's it's tough getting contracts because you want workers to get what they want, but. I'll, People are greedy. People well, are greedy, and, I, and, and sometimes I, it, some people it's never enough. I speak to that time in a timely manner because tomorrow, uh, my wife actually that you know they have their uh, they they have a four year contract and their contract uh, ran out on July or June thirtieth, and uh, the the union has a contract they're voting on it tomorrow. So my wife actually has to make a special trip to Springfield just to go over to the union hall, read the contract, and then vote on it. So. I mean, I would. Go ahead. I'd like to add while we're on this topic of unions, I would really like to see educators like yourself. Like, I know it's it's not easy, but like you guys deserve so much more pay and benefits for what you guys do. I, I would love to see more action for like be- getting better contracts for you all and getting what you deserve. Um, I, 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 I know, I, 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 you know this better than I do, so I, I'm, I'm I, sure there's. Well, let me. I'm glad you brought that up because I. I... I let me, have, yeah, let I me hear have, your take with that and like I, the I have, with teaching. So I, I have I have mixed feelings as an educator. Twenty five years in education, um, unions, uh, teacher unions are not allowed per se in the state of Missouri. We're not allowed to go on strike in the state of Missouri. Let's just put it that way. Um, we can do we do what some some schools have done what they call blue days, where a bunch of teachers are calling sick and stuff like that. Um, you know, the teaching profession is, you know, Missouri is, uh, it's either number two or number three worst paid, uh, worst salary in, in, in the United States. Okay. Oklahoma, I know for a fact, is number one. Oklahoma teachers, um, I've watched many, I follow a lot of Oklahoma educators on my Facebook feed who, you know, they constantly, you know, hey, I'm at my side hustle today or I'm, you know, and they show them. You know, this guy during the summertime who does roofing jobs and or, you know, people like myself who do Uber and Lyft, you know, 
Um, I, I do DJ. I've been doing DJ. I've been DJing for 20 years on the side. Um, to, and, and it's kind of, and I, I may be the only one, I as an educator may be the only one who's in this, in this feeling this way. I, you know, a lot of teachers do say, hey, we don't, we didn't go into it for the money. But at the same time, we shouldn't be treated like slave labor. We, we put up with, a, pardon my friends, but we put up with a lot of shit. You know, we, we, we deal with the state mandates. We, the state sometimes just comes down with some of the craziest ideas down the pike. And then, you know, some school districts, not ours, I, you know, I'm thankful. We have a great school board. We have great administration at Clopton uh, that I am so thankful for. But there are some schools that I've, I've heard absolute horror stories that, you know, micromanage their teachers to the nth degree that they, you know, they don't back, they don't back up their student, they don't back up their teachers. They, you know, they throw their teachers under the bus. And so I, you know, I get where some people believe that teachers need to have a union at the same time. I don't, and this, and this is probably more me than anybody else. I look at my job with humility and the fact that I, I don't want to put a student's education. And this is, I'm probably the only one that says this, but I, I would rather have a student be educated than, you know, at the, at, and not put their education at risk based upon, you know, what we're, if we're arguing over, you know, now if it's a large pay gap, I can see that. But if I'm, if I'm going to argue over pennies, you know, or over a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a year. And I've seen this in Illinois countless times. I've seen a lot of Illinois teachers go on strike. You see it, you probably see it more than I do up there in Chicago, but there are, you know, I've, I've seen teacher strikes go for, you know, as long as a month, month and a half. And I think that that is, you know, I think that that, that is the, that, that, that's anything that's detrimental to somebody else like that. It's like saying if, 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 if the police were to, were to go on strike, okay, okay, who's protecting the people? If the police, you, you know, and police, police have a lot rougher than, anybody in my opinion does that they have the most thankless job out there but should a police should a police department be allowed to go on strike what happens to the safety of the citizens when something involves the well-being of somebody else like an educator like a firefighter like a teacher like a paramedic you know i have i have i, I i'm kind of i'm kind of in the middle on this but at the same time i get that but I, I, how, I, how but do you, you get what you want then <laughs> See, and that, that, so that's where I was going to next. There's no, you can't, I, I, I would like to say in a, in a totally naive world, I would love to say that the board should be able to have foresight and take care of their teachers. You know, where I teach at is, is, is the exception to the rule. Okay. The rule and uh, the rule in a lot of, especially in rural education, the rule is, you know, well, we have limited tax base, and we have limited this, and we have limited that, and we have to, you know, you know, with with who we've with who we've had come on board the the last group of administrators that we've had, we had two interims last year, and we had a new administrator this year, and they both said, okay, we've got to right this ship. You know, first of all, I think at the top, it takes 
you know, and this goes for police, this goes for fire, this goes for paramedic, this goes for education. You have got to have good administration at the top. You've got to be able to have an administrator who says, okay, what do my people need? What do my people need? What, what do I need? You know, we have so many teachers who are leaving the industry right now for this very reason. Because health insurance is a joke, like I said earlier. Health insurance is a joke. And, you know, I have I, I, people who I work with. I, to tell you the truth, I don't even know what I... I, I stopped listening when the deductible was like $2,000. A $2,000 deductible for a procedure, okay? And if you're the common... If you're not an administrator, you're not even... There's not a lot of us who have $2,000 lying around, okay? So you've got, you know, our health insurance is a joke. How, you know, if I'm an administrator, you know, then I say, okay, how, how, can, I, how can I protect my teachers? How can I, you know, we have, to, we have to be able to find a balance, you know? And my, our buddy, our, our, our buddy Col Colby Coleman, he's actually a, a, a teacher himself, and he, he's saying here on, he says, you know, that we, Missouri does have, you're right, Colby, Missouri does have one of the best retirements in the nation. We do have a great retirement system. You know, you can't, and he says, you can make good money in teaching. But for some people, you know, their alternative is move, okay? But right now with what we have, and we have a severe, we have a severe teaching shortage right now. We have a severe teaching shortage. We know of a lot of schools last year, I forgot what the, the I, I'm not even going to throw a number out there, but I knew it was in Houston, Texas. They had a crazy amount of, and I'm talking like thousands of teachers in the Houston Unified School District, that they had thousands of teaching positions that they didn't fill. Here in Louisiana, I know for a fact that there are five teaching positions that they do not have filled right now. And what they're looking at doing, what they're looking at doing is, okay, we're going to cut this class, this class, this class, and this class. And so what ends up happening then is now you're, now you're affecting the education of kids because you're not taking care of your teachers. So in the end, our end product that you're going to have is going to be a poor educational system. At the cost. But it, on that token, if people are quitting, they need to recognize that and see the problem oh, and I say, agree. okay, I agree. obviously people are leaving for a reason. We should change this. Right. But it doesn't seem like there's any – like you, you're more in the loop than I am on it. But from the outside perspective, it doesn't seem like there is any real change happening for educators. Well, when you look at, when you look at funding, funding for education is one of the – when you look at areas that – and we can we this kind of goes into what we're going to talk about. Oh, this is perfect. If we, but you know, when you talk about the cost of, when we talk about the cost of education going up, secondary education, and I found this this fact to be, and this is the same thing for college professors, that college professors since 1970, 20 in a in a survey that was done, call by and you take into consideration inflation and all this other stuff. College professors haven't really increased in their amount of, of pay. Okay. Now, what has who has gotten who? Do you know who's getting paid more in education now more than anybody else? And that's administration. 
okay? And in some districts that, you know, that can be good, and in some, in, in some instances that can be bad. In our case, we have great administrators. We take care of our administrators. Bowling Green, Missouri takes care of their administrators. And I, and I point out that, you know, Clopton and Bowling Green, I'm, I'm, I'm biased to these two schools, you know, but you look at these two schools, they have, you start at the top, they've got great administration. What do they do? They pay their, they take care of their teachers. They take care of, you know, we, we got a modest pay raise this year. It wasn't, it wasn't through the roof, but at the same time, you know, but yet you have some of these schools who are, you have some schools that are led by these, you know, superintendents who are in their late twenties, early thirties. Okay. It's insane. And, you know, who may have, you know, they may have seven or eight years in the classroom, but you, you translate that, you translate that over into an administrative position. Now what you're, now what you have is a, you know, you have a company run, in my opinion, by an educational rookie. And you're seeing this across the board in other industries as well. So, you know, I think part of the reason is, you know, people are wanting to make money. And this can, like I said, this goes into just about any industry that you want to. And so you may have people who are educationally qualified, but maybe not um, experience qualified. Well, I would would say too, time time in isn't always the best indicator of someone for the job. Mm Mm-mm. And I, I can speak on that in my trade. There's I, I, guys that have been in 20 yeah. years in this trade, and they're absolute garbage at what right. they do. <laughs> and I agree. I agree with that too. I agree with that too. I agree with that too. I think that that you know this is this is going to be a this is going to be a problem that you know continues on. And I mean, while we're talking about this, let's go ahead and move into this next topic. I mean, which is the supreme this Supreme Court other this other case that the Supreme Court. Uh, uh, Biden versus Nebraska. Um, this was, this was a, this was a, uh, this was a, again part of that week. This was on June the thirtieth, where the uh, Supreme Court handed, uh, you know, basically Joe Biden had a plan that was in place to cancel four hundred and thirty billion dollars in student loan debt. Okay, and this this was believed that this would probably benefit. By some estimates, 43 million Americans, and this was, and of course, this case was more done on party lines. So this was this was a six-three decision. This was the six. This was the conservative, moderate judges versus the liberal judges. Okay, and this was out of a. The court had sided with the six conservative. This was. A, a lawsuit that was brought by Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, and Nebraska, and South Carolina, all of which are happen to be red states. Uh, they objected to student. Just as this is from Reuters, I'm reading, objected to Biden's student loan forgiveness. It's a ruling that de- dealt a death blow to the 26 million borrowers who applied for relief after Biden announced the plan in August 2022, uh, which has kind of been a setback for the Biden administration. Now. For those of you, and I'm sure this affects a lot of you who are listening tonight or are going to be listening later on, you know, uh, co- was it during COVID that they did a, so they suspended, right, suspended loan payments, mm-hmm. and that is set to expire, I believe, in October of this year, I believe is when that is set to expire. 
Um, I, I saw that. I think I saw it somewhere. But basically, you know. September 1st. Oh, so it's September. Okay, so it's September 1st, mm-hmm. not October. Okay. And Biden, you know, here, and this is one that I'll, I'll step on. You know, I, I am, I am, I'm kind of 60, 40 on this. And I'm actually surprisingly, you know, the 60% more on the student debt side because of the fact that my generation, okay, so my generation says, well, we took out our college loans and we, you know, we paid them off and we, we did our part, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, okay? That was also in a time when education was a lot less. And it was education, college education in my days was, I've got, a, I've got a video somewhere. I've got to find this video. I have it somewhere at school that I took a video of. We had probably the most, at least at Hannibal LaGrange, and Janine and I were talking about this before the show, we probably had the the least frills university that you could go to. You know, there wasn't, okay, we have the vegan meal plan and we have the, the gluten-free meal plan. And we, you had the meal plan. Okay. <laughs> and you, you couldn't, okay, well, you can use your meal credits at the, at the student union or you could, and we didn't have, you know, and our student union, what I, I can tell you what our student union was. We had two pool tables, a pinball machine, a video, uh, uh, a video game, and a ping pong table. That was our student union. And now you have <clears throat> student unions that have, you know, rock climbing walls, and you have, you know, bowling alleys and roller skating rinks and blah, blah, blah. You know, part of the reason why education has went up so much is because you know, and we and we didn't, and of course we didn't have. If we had in, if we had internet in our dorm rooms, and mind you, again, 1992 to 1996 was the infancy of the internet. I had a buddy who had who got one of those. We used to. I'm dating myself when I say this, but he had a uh, a CD-ROM of a AOL America. It was AOL America Online. You get like three, 30 free hours of internet, and you you know you installed the software on your computer, and you had the modem, and you, oh you dial in, and you know, and you had all that stuff, you know, and we, and we were wanting to download. I, I'm a huge Black Crows fan, and and the Black Crows new nice. album came out, and, and it took 30 minutes to download one song, and we're like, oh we're listening to the new Black Crows song, you know, but now you have dorms that have you know, high speed internet that have, oh, yeah. you know, ground source heat pump. And I'm not ground. I mean, that's, you know, we had radiator heat and we had window units and we had our, our you know, giant fitness wellness centers. Right, I mean, giant, is, you know, and so, and which isn't a bad thing. I'm for it. Right. Right. I, get the way you're saying, get the way you're saying. But the thing is, okay. Comes at a cost. Right. So you're, your three most expensive, and I looked this up, and this was in that, that thing. The three most expensive colleges in the United States, and I wouldn't have guessed this. Columbia, Vassar, and Duke will run you 50 k a year. Now, that's just tuition. That's- now, isn't Columbia private? Yes. These are uh, Columbia, Vassar, uh, oh, Columbia, and Vassar. Are they all private? Uh, I don't know I about Duke. Duke. Was public. I, I think Duke's public. 
Columbia and Vassar are private, okay? And and so when you look at, you know, a report, and this was, I'll just read a few things here, a few facts that I found in my research today, uh, that the tuition for public, for public colleges, this isn't private colleges, public colleges alone, tuition has quadrupled between 1980 and 2015, okay? Quadrupled. Believe it. According to uh, CNBC, uh, college tuition was far more affordable for older generations, citing figures from uh, the College Board, this is the people who put the ACT together and everything, um, that adjusting for inflation, the cost of private schools rose by 129% since 1980s. The cost of public school rose by 213%. Okay? Let that just sink in just for a second, okay? Um, your, your students graduate with an average... An average of thirty-seven thousand, over a little bit over thirty-seven thousand dollars in debt. Okay, that's just the average. All right, and that amounts to one point five trillion dollars in collective student loan debt amongst forty-four million Americans. All right, so like we said, amenities were the were the thing thing was one thing. Administrative salaries. Now this is what this was another thing, and the, so the we talked about um, University of California education system last week um oh where was my okay so the university of california education system which is ucla uh uc berkeley uh uc san diego okay so between 19 this is this was i thought this was something between 1975 and 2008 the number of faculty that the california university system had went from, in 1975, was 11,614 to 12,019 by 2008. However, in sharp contrast, the number of administrators grew from 3,800 to 12,183. Okay? Wow, that, that's an increase. Uh, that was, that's just administrators. Okay? Now, and the, the, other, the other thing that said that was, uh, where was that other fact at? Was by... So by students, then the cost the cost for these administrators out of every cost of the student per year, twenty three thousand dollars per student is going to pay for these administrators. Okay, so that's where twenty three thousand dollars of that is going to. And I said, as I said before, I stated earlier that they said, you know, that uh, it said. Professor salaries have barely budged since 1970. Now, again, you count for inflation and everything else. And a lot of these professors today, and you will see this at universities, especially these bigger ones, some of these universities are using what are called grad assistants, graduate assistants who are, who are teaching, you know, they're working on their master's degree or they're working on their doctorate degree and they're, they're, getting, they're, they're teaching these, these, these courses. They have a lot of part-time um, adjunct professors, okay? Where I went to school, even back in the 90s, where I went to school at Hannibal LaGrange, a number of my professors were also teaching school, were teaching school. My, um, my uh, methods of teaching track and, or methods of coaching track and field coach uh, professor was Hannibal High's head track coach. And he was, I mean, he, he would teach us, we would have, uh, you know, we would have, uh, for the semester, we would have nine weeks in class. And then when track season kicked in, we had nine weeks out on the field with him. 
And I I know he wasn't he I was, he said he told us and now this is back in the nineties. I make more coaching track than I do teaching this class. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he was making more as a head track. Now, granted, it was Hannibal High School, but still, you know, you're paying for this guy to educate, you know. And to me, that there, there's, there's things wrong. And, and so when I, when I started doing this, you know, and I'll admit, before I started doing my research, I was like, well, you take out a loan, you better be able to pay up. But, you know, the demand for education, too, is this. And you're, you're, you're a perfect example of this. You don't have to go to a four-year university to get a good-paying job or a decent-paying job. You know, you have, you have, I mean, the skills, and we've had Martin Hanley on here many times, and he is. You don't have to, but uh, the, the counter to that, I would say, and I'm, I'm all for blue-collar jobs, by the way, but right, right. not everyone's cut out for it, and not everyone wants to do that. Right. And I, so you have to take that into account, too. It's, there are right. opportunities there, but not everyone wants to be a plumber. You know what I mean? Even if it does pay $60, $70 an hour. Well, and, uh, that, so that was another thing. Uh, another study that was done by Business Insider Magazine said, according to the Department of Education, U.S. colleges expected a total of 20.4 million students in the fall of 2017, about 5.1 million, 5 .1 million more than in the fall of 2000. Now, that's good. There's a higher demand for education. But on the flip side of that, the return on that investment has fallen by has fallen because 40% of the kids don't grad 40% of that 20.4 million didn't graduate. Okay. And, and so what you then have is, you know, either, and I had a number, I had a large number of my friends who I maintain friendships even with now who didn't graduate college because they, it wasn't that they couldn't hack it. It was because they couldn't afford it. And that was even back in the 90s, they couldn't afford it, you know. And so why, and the other question is this, and this is what a lot of people are attacking. Okay, so why should we, why should we do debt for, why should we do debt forgiveness in the first place? And one of the, the biggest thing that came out of this, look at where we're at right now. Because we are in a high inflationary, we're in high inflationary times right now, all right? When you look at the cost of goods going up and wages are not, wages are not matching profits of the big business, you know, your standard wages. Now, like we talked about unions earlier, but those who are in non-union jobs, their wages are not keeping up. And so you have these people who are paying student loans and not able to, okay, so I've got to either pay for my, however much my college loan is, or my federally financed college loan, or I'm paying for, you know, necessities. Yeah, there, there's a there's a few issues I see with this, and I, I want to start out by saying, our conversation with Alex the other day kind of changed my perspective a little bit on this, and I've been thinking a lot about it. Mm -hmm. um, so to start off, you know, we're looking at you. You got a number of one point five trillion. I, I saw one point seven five trillion. Either mm -hmm. way, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. 
And just to read this article here I pulled up, this was a February 12, 2023. U.S. leads the rest of the world with $196 billion given to Ukraine with war with Russia. So I look at that, and then I see people who are struggling to pay their loans. And it's like, well, if the U.S. is so willing to just to spend $200 billion on a war that a lot of Americans are really starting to turn their back on, why can't we help our own people on that token? However— Another issue I see with that too is like, if you're gonna pay some of them, you gotta pay all of them. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, mm-hmm. it can't just be a benefit for some. Like, okay, that's it. Because sure, we could pay all off that debt. That next semester is gonna come. That next right. year of students is gonna come, right. and there's gonna be more student right. loans, and we're gonna be right back where we were before. So, I could see the idea. I, I 100% saw Alex's point of like. If you freed up that debt from people, it would give people more opportunities to invest in the economy, take out, buy homes, uh, you know, go to stores and spend more money. I can see that argument, but I, I see it as such. I don't see it as a long-term solution, though. I mean, when's the, I, I think if we could figure out a way to reallocate funds to help people make make education more affordable – which I mean, what, what? how we do that? I don't know. We haven't had a balance. We we talked this before. We haven't had a balanced budget in forever. How long? I know you know that. Since yeah, it's been forever. Why? Yeah. Why? Okay. Here's some, and this was another point that, and this is just a. I don't have an answer for this question, but why is it then that we can give a community college education relatively, relatively now community college relatively inexpensive. But, you know, you come out with an associate's degree. I, I hate to tell them, you know, there's not a ton you can do with an associate's degree. That's I have one, and it has done literally nothing for me. Right, okay. It's done nothing for so, me. So, and community college, for those of you who've been to community college and not, not outing anybody who's, you know, I know a lot of students who use community colleges to get their gen eds out of the way and then go on to, you know. Smart move. Right, and it's a great move. Why can't you create a no frills university like a community college, but in a four year sense and still get the bang for your buck. As far as being, you know, if you're saying, Hey, it's an accredited university, it's an accredited college. Okay. We're starting to see some of that, but not to the extent it should be. Right. I mean, I've, I'm looking right now. I've got, I'm looking, I've got in my office right here. I've got two, I've got my two degrees up on the wall. Okay. Got my master's and I've got my bachelor's. Okay. And I got, my master's from Hannibal LaGrange College, and I got my my or I got my bachelor's from Hannibal LaGrange. I got my master's from Southwest Baptist University. And to me, in education, it's not really worth the paper that it's printed on. I mean, I've I, I make I mean part of the reason why I make the salary that I make is based upon my number of years of experience. You know. When you put me down, you know, okay, I've got a guy with a degree from Truman. I've got a guy from a de- uh, with a degree from Hannibal LaGrange. I've got a guy with a degree from Mizzou. You know, a lot of it in my, and in, in especially in education, as long as you've got a degree in education, they don't really care where it's from. I mean, now if you're, you're, you're going to go now, if you're going to go teach in like a prep school or you're going to go teach in a private, you know, like a high dollar. Of course, then it's different. Then they're going to say, okay, hey, we want a guy who was put through the ringer. And, you know, and not to say that, I mean, I have, you know, I, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Okay, I'll admit that. But, you know, hard work and for what I've done, I, I've, I've 
I try to be the best teacher that I can possibly be. You can have a Harvard education, you can still be dumb as a rock. My point is this, what are we, what are we really paying for? Is the quality of education different in a 30,000, you know, what are you paying for? What am I paying for with a Hannibal LaGrange degree versus a Duke degree? The fact that I, mm. that I went to Duke, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm taught, it's, it's a... I'm, I'm taught a lot of the same stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, I teach with teachers from that have went to school in a lot of different schools throughout Missouri and Illinois, you know? And we, you know, when we'll sit around, we'll tell stories about, you know, oh, hey, man, I had this, you know, I had this in my, you know, philosophy education class and blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I'd do something like, and we tell the same stories. We tell the same stories. We tell the same stuff because we have the same experiences in our education because we were taught the same things, Mm -hmm. you know, and some of us went to a higher price call, you know, we have, there's a clop and there's a lot of teachers who went to Mizzou. And I can guarantee you Mizzou is a lot cheaper than HLG was, you know? And yeah. what, what, what did I gain by going to a higher, you know? It, I think it's all branding. It's like, yeah. do you want the Timex or you want the Rolex? Exactly. They both the time, exactly. You know? you know, you want to drive the Cadillac. One's deemed or... more right. worth than the other one. You know, right. it's, it's, it's all branding. Right. Um, I got one more thing I want to say, and that's going to, I'm going to end it for yeah. me. Um, yeah. I, we've had multiple generations growing up to believe that college was the option. Mm-hmm. It's it's no question of it. I grew up, I got all the, the colleges came in today. There was the college fairs, you know, like giving you the pamphlets, telling you to come, like, come on, come on, you know, get, apply for your loans. It was so pushed on us. And it wasn't just my class, multiple classes for years and years and years. This has been going on, hence why we're 1.75 trillion in right. student loan debt. Right. We've pushed this so much on people and some industries and some jobs, a hundred percent, you do need a college degree. Like some of those like specialized healthcare jobs, like stuff like what our friends Spencer and Devin do in the healthcare industry, hundred percent. I see that you need a degree for something like that. Totally get it. But there's a lot of people that were pushed and led to believe that if they got these degrees and God only knows whatever you call the degree, like, you know, you're, you always people talk trash on your liberal arts degrees, but I'll use it as an example. Like your liberal arts degrees are like your more broad spectrum degrees, I guess you could say. You're less specialized stuff. Mm-hmm. You're pushing on these people that I think a majority don't really know what they want to do in the first place, but they're promised that if they get this degree, it's going to lead to a better life. Oh, by the way, to get this degree, we need loan, we need money, mm-hmm. and if unless you're fortunate enough to come from a rich family, you're taking out loans to do that, and you're looking at we already said tuition rates, but let's just say $20,000 a year or a year degree, $80,000, give or take. That's a lot of money for someone who's potentially 22, 23 years old, went to college immediately after high school. And now they got all this debt. And it's like, okay, go get them. And it's like, yeah. where's, no where, what do I do with this? Right. No I, I worked at, I worked at Whole Foods for three months and there was quite a few people who were college graduates working at Whole Foods. They they're in, they have all these student loan debts, but they're working at Whole Foods because they couldn't get the job they want. That's a real thing people face. And I, I, can, I can sympathize with those people because of the fact that I grew up and it was pushed on me. Mm-hmm. It, and I, I did go to college for a year, not having any idea what I wanted to do because the, I, God forbid you joined the military or you joined a labor union. It, right. Because it was such a, it was seen as, it wasn't said, but it, 
for me, it felt like that was such a frowned upon thing to do that I was a failure for doing those things, which in hindsight, it wasn't. But that's at the time, that's how it was. I know other kids feel that way. I know that it's pushed on them. You don't see your labor unions or even, hell, you don't even see companies going to high schools like recruiting. You don't see that. You only see, I mean, you see military, of course. But again, right. like people looked at military as like, oh, that's just no, for the kids that are going to cut it for too college. Dumb to go to college. Right. Go to, too yeah. dumb or too poor, right. you know? And right. I, I think it's one of the best decisions you can make. But right. my point being is that we, we kind of put ourselves in this position by leading on generation after generation, telling them that, oh, you can be all this if you go and do this thing. And this is the result we have. And we wonder why people feel like they got duped. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I sympathize with those people at the same time. It's again, it's like if you can't just help some and not help all. Right. So it, right. it's a very complex issue. It is. I, I, I really do sympathize for those people. I, I couldn't imagine having some of the student loans some people have, especially at the ages they have to deal with them. It's but at the same time, you have to know what you're signing up for. And right. if, I, if you're a parent, who's, you really got to. I, I wish parents would educate themselves yes. more on that too, and yeah. parents that, push their kids to do it as well. And it's like, there needs, there needs. Why to be, would you want that for your kid? Like, if you know you can't financially support your kid to go to college, why would you push that on them? Unless that was, a, unless they 100 percent wanted to go be this big doctor or something, right? And make this. Why would you push that on them? And I think, and I think that that there has to be, there has to be, and it's, you know, again, you're you're strict. Your strict, you know, red state conservatives going to say, well, they, you know, I, I didn't want to, you know, buy my thirty thousand dollar, eighty thousand dollar truck, and I'd still take out my loan. Do I get that forgiven? You can't. You this totally is different. It's right. A, it's not. You, a, that's you're not talking a apples. And you're talking apples and oranges here, and so I think that there has to be some accountability. I mean, and I and I can still I can still remember in my mind going in. So I st- I signed up. I can't remember what kind what the name of the loan. It was I got Pell grants, which were you know that was money from the government that didn't have to be paid back. I can't think of the name of the loan, uh, but there was an abbreviation. And so here I am, an eighteen year an eighteen year old kid. Okay, and technically I was seventeen when I signed up for college, and when I go and I sign this this contract and I look and you know there's there's this legalese that's a paragraph this long and I'll just sign down here at the bottom so you can get your, you know, so you can get your, your money. Well, nothing was explained to me. They're just like saying, okay, (laughs) Hey, after you graduate, you're going to have a, you're going to have a six month, you're going to have your six months, you know, you'll have your six months grace period. So basically we're giving you six months to find a job. And then after that six months, you're going to start paying, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm totally, and I'm totally, you know, this has been, this has been one of those discussions that I, you know, when I look at it, I'm like, I, I was, I, I can honestly say I was one way coming into this before we researched this. And I totally, totally had my tables turned after looking at a lot of this stuff. And, you know, is debt forgiveness the way? Like you said, Travis, and I totally agree with that. You can't, you know, if we just say, okay, we're going to forgive this debt. Okay, what about then this next generation that's going to come in and cure more debt? You know, who? what are we going to do about that? 
So we're not really, we're not really saw it's a temporary fix to a big problem. So you eliminate that debt, but then you're going to create, you're going to have this whole thing, you know, just bunch back up in a matter of 20 years, you know? Yeah. You're talking about, yeah, 1.75 trillion. What happens if everyone defaults on that debt? Right. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. Now we're talking like the 08, he has given mortgages, everybody, which I'm not going to go too into that because that could be a whole other topic of student yeah. loans to people disadvantaged, but it, it is a very complex issue. And yeah, we get, I could talk about this yeah. more and more. It really, well, I really and, do get fired uh, up talking about this. Uh, thank you for everybody who got on tonight. I know we got on earlier tonight. So those of you who are just now, I see a lot of folks who are getting on just now, like, Hey, what are they doing on? You guys aren't in. We did get on a little bit earlier tonight, but I do want to point out, we had a number of new listeners who, who commented tonight. I just want to welcome Steel City Champ 43. Thank you for joining us tonight. Our buddy Travis Pruitt was on here tonight. Nice. Giuseppe Arellana. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Thank you for your comments tonight. Colby, it's always great to have you on. Heather McAlone, thank you for joining in. And the counselor himself, Alex Ellison, it says right now on my board, Alex Ellison is watching. We are sorry, counselor, that we started past your kids you know earlier than your kids bedtime but you'll have to go back and click on the live a little bit later on but again thank you for everybody hey wait a minute <laughs> thank you for every everybody who joined tonight and uh we had a just great discussion tonight um again be a friend tell a friend share 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 if you have a TikTok account, please go over. You see it scrolling on the bottom of the screen right now. You see where our, our TikTok, at VOR Podcast 2021. I'm kind of going to, I usually post it on my, on my TikTok too. I'm going to kind of cut back from that and try to put more attention over to our Voice of Reason podcast on TikTok. We wanted to get 1,000 followers by the end of the year. We are a long way from that. And, uh... So please, please, please join us on TikTok. Send us topic ideas too, please. Yes, please. We, we always come up with, you know, this has been some good stuff, but if there's stuff that you want us to talk about, it's MK, yes, MK Ultra, yes. We will get to the MK, yes. Ooh, okay. Always MK Ultra. Uh, there's always somebody who says MK Ultra. Yes, we will. Sean, if Sean was here, he would be, his, his shorts would be getting moist right now. So, yeah, so... Again, thanks to our, our good luck to our brother. Yeah, our, our, our good luck to our brother uh, Sean, Sean this evening, and hopefully Tony's popping that baby out right now. But uh, thanks for joining us this week. Um, join us next week, or actually, don't join us next week because next week we're taking a week off, uh, taking summer vacation. We will see you guys in two weeks. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Voice of Reason. Thank you.